Welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. Today on the program, sheer survival. Our team is united, experienced, and focused on the job we were elected to do. After dodging a leadership review, is Andrew Shear's time on top of the Conservative Party safe? Does he have to change his views on same-sex marriage and climate change in order to win the next election? MPs are here to weigh in on the tension between politics and religion. And then, unity crisis? I think that there are many messages that one could take from the federal election, but most certainly one of them would be that this is a country that is uh, divided on a number of key issues right now. The Premier of Manitoba blames prairie alienation directly on Prime Minister Trudeau. Will Mr. Trudeau change any of his most controversial policies on pipelines and carbon? Cabinet Minister Carla Qualtro is here with what the Liberals have to do to rebuild trust in large parts of the country. And then Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister tells us what he asked the Prime Minister to change when they met face to face. And then, Minority Report. <laughs> Take it away, honey. In a minority parliament, the small parties hold the balance of power. But what will they demand from the Liberals? The newly appointed Green Party leader, Joanne Roberts, joins us on the scrum. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. So the post-election Trudeau challenge is very real. How to deal with a country divided. This week, his caucus met and tried to sort out how to deal with prairie alienation over key issues like pipelines, the carbon tax, and a grim economic outlook for some provinces. With no representation in Alberta and Saskatchewan, will the Prime Minister change course on some of his more controversial policies? To talk about that, we're joined now by the Cabinet Minister and BC MP, Carla Qualtro. First of all, great to see you and congratulations on a victory. Thank you very, hard fought. very much. The caucus met. Yeah. We know now, Justin Trudeau said four years ago, I'm going to be the great uniter. Four years later, to be candid, the country's more divided than it's been in a long time. Um, and it was a humbling message, I think, for your party. Um, outside of the kind of nostrums, I'm going to listen, which we've heard from the Prime Minister, what concrete steps will the Prime Minister take to deal with prairie alienation? Well, first of all, I'd say, Evan, message received, right? We were sent a very clear message from Alberta and Saskatchewan that they don't necessarily see themselves in our vision for the country moving forward. And we need to remedy that. We need to figure out um, what, what about our message, what about our policies and our plans make people feel excluded from the Canada of the future. And that's more than just listening. That does involve, as you say, concrete plans and steps where we roll up our sleeves and work together and figure this out. Well, it's not that hard to figure out. I talked to Jason Kenney. I've talked to Alistair, I've talked to Scott Moe, the, the premiers are pretty clear. Here's one thing, they don't want the No More Pipelines bill, also known as Bill C-69, which is an increased environmental assessment on big projects like pipelines. They believe, the mayor of Calgary believes, that this will kill any future development. They, they've asked repeatedly, rethink that. There's a concrete step. Yeah. Will your government rethink that? Well, we put in place in Bill C-69 an enhanced process for environmental assessment, but it also was meant to streamline the process so we could get good projects to, uh, to build quicker. And so if there's something in the way either substantively the law prohibits that or we've, we're communicating it poorly, we have to look at it. But let's, but, but okay, but again, it sounds like you're justifying something that they want you to look at it yeah. for one reason. To get anything approved in Canada, if you compare it to other countries, it's three times longer. Even Trans Mountain, which your government says you want to build, mm -hmm. it's been held up and held up. So I appreciate 
if that the liberals have said repeatedly we need better consultation and this was the goal mm -hmm. but for these provinces who are in deep economic trouble they're saying the, either the direct or indirect consequences is you're killing this kind of development will you change Change D69, I don't think so. Um, but we, I thought, or we thought, we sent a pretty clear message when we bought a $4.5 billion pipeline that we want to build this expansion because we think it's in the national interest. And the jobs that will be created and the safer way oil will continue to get to markets is in the national interest. And the But was that, but sorry, just with, with, all, yep. with all due respect, yep. their argument is that you had to buy the pipeline because of your regulations that the proponents don't want to build here and canna is leaving companies are leaving because they the regulations are so bad that you're forced to nationalize things because you're hoist by your own petard on that what's the answer well, I think the answer is a 10-year history of getting nothing done, and we needed to take a step that would both ensure um, concrete environmental assessment, but also getting these projects built. Nothing was built in the 10 years Stephen Harper was in power, and we had to take action. But, but that was, yeah. that's four years ago, so sure I don't want to do the History Channel here. I want to do the News Understood. Channel here, which is it's your government's responsibility. Yep. Now nothing was built in four years, yeah. and now they're worried that nothing's going to be built. So if you're not going to do C69, okay, yeah. Okay, so th that, that fire is going to keep burning. Let's talk about the carbon tax. Yeah. You know, uh, all of these premiers in the prairies and, and some of them, they, they want another way, another option. In Manitoba, where they're almost conciliatory, they say there's other ways. In, Man in Alberta, they want it gone. In Saskatchewan, they want it gone. Will you revisit the policies around pricing carbon? be very clear, the policy on pricing carbon is if a province isn't doing something equivalent, if Manitoba has an idea and it is equivalent and gets the same result, then we are absolutely open to that. Just look at, look at my province, look at BC. Okay. We've been doing it on our own for 10, 15 years now. Minister, I'm listening to you. So yeah. you started off saying we've got to listen yeah. and now I'm giving, and you go, we've got to figure out what's the problem. So there's two big problems. Yeah. I've presented to them and you say, well, we're going to keep going. It sounds like status quo. Do you, I don't, I don't, nothing's going to change if you keep doing the same thing. I don't mean to say status quo. I think we need to shake things up absolutely. I mean, I mean, those of us from BC, we're not quite in the same place as Alberta and Saskatchewan, but the same underlying fear and concern about affordability and angst exists in my province as well. Premier Kenny from Alberta was on the show last week, and he's demanding that the government, because of the economic situation in Alberta, change the equalization formula. I know this gets a little arcane for a lot of folks watching, but it's a very important transfer of funds yeah. from general revenues based on fiscal capacity. He mm -hmm. says it's out of date, it's too slow, and it's not helping Alberta in a time of need. Is your government open to renegotiating or redoing the equalization formula? I think the message is we're open to discussing anything right now. I think it's premature to commit. Of course, that's certainly not my place to commit to opening up equalization. And like you said, it's a it's a landmine. It's a landmine field, if you will. But the point is, Alberta feels like it's been carrying kind of economically the weight of the country for so long and contributing disproportionately to our economic success and feels like now that that it's not in that place anymore it shouldn't be still doing that and I get that we we, we okay, get so that. will there yeah. be negotiations on equalization like I'm I know we're sure. gonna say I, it. I, I mean say. the Harper government did it 
Yeah. I mean, I, the irony is yeah. Jason Kenney's complaining about a formula that he was a minister right. in the government that created. I didn't want to point that so, out. Well, no, I pointed it out to him last yeah. week. But now will your government commit to reopening it? I think it's too premature to have that conversation. The Prime Minister is talking with the Premiers, but it's my place right now to assure you that nothing is off the table, and I can't tell you anything further right now. But my question is what's yeah. on the table, and so far I can't I think, figure that I out. I think everything's on the table. Mr. Scheer was asked his personal views on same-sex marriage. The social conservative issues have been yeah. a real big issue for him. Is it fair to ask a leader, because your leader, Mr. Trudeau, is also a Catholic, yeah. is it fair to ask a leader what their personal religious views are as if that might in, uh, impact their, the way they govern. That's a tough one, but I personally, as a citizen, want to know that my prime minister and my, the leader of our country is fighting for everybody's rights equally. And if something in their belief system prohibits that, I think I'd like to know. And then make an informed choice of whether I can live with that or not. The reason why I find that's complicated yeah. is your government says that there's a legislative discrimination in Quebec with their secularization bill. Quebec saying, we can't have religious people you know, display their religious symbols because it might impact their performance. Your government says that's wrong. Then you say, but watch out for Andrew Scheer. So I'm trying to figure out how you justify the two different positions. I think it's about... Um, tolerance and the idea that our laws and our policies and our programs need to be championed not just tolerated and we can't have a set of laws that people just kind of plug their nose and kind of sort of uphold when you are the prime minister of this country our, our citizens deserve better but but religious freedom i mean yeah. can't you have that separation your personal religious beliefs has your caucus asked mr trudeau who's a catholic what his view on same-sex marriage is um, I think Does he think being homosexual is a sin? Mr. Scheer was asked that. Yeah. I wonder, did your caucus ask Mr. Trudeau um, that? I, I wasn't part of conversations if we did. Like, certainly not as a collective. We haven't. But, I mean, Justin Trudeau is a champion of LGBTQ rights. I mean, certainly he, he completely uh, agrees that everybody should have the right to love and marry who they want. But you think a religious beliefs is a litmus, like personal religious mm -hmm. beliefs you think is a litmus test to leadership? I think we have a right to know what people believe, and then we can factor that into our choice for leader. I got to leave it there. Minister, great to have you back on the program. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thanks for seeing you again. That's uh, Minister Carla Qualtro. Coming up, do the personal religious beliefs of a leader actually impact your vote? Now, Andrew Scheer says his views on same-sex marriage, well, they're in the spotlight right now. Does he have to recalibrate or not? MPs are standing by next to debate that. Stay right here with Question Period. We made it very clear during the election, in the last few months and years, our party is inclusive. We believe in the quality of right, the rights of all Canadians. We are, personal I, my personal opinion. opinion is that I respect the rights of every single yeah. Canadian. Still going on, that was Conservative leader Andrew Scheer, who emerged after a nearly seven hour caucus meeting to face a crush of reporters waiting to grill him on his stance on LGBTQ Writes, Shear's socially conservative convictions on same-sex marriage have dogged him throughout the campaign. Peter McKay said they hung around his neck like a stinking albatross, and some party insiders say they're a big reason he lost the election. But Mr. Shear has now signaled he will not change his views. So do politicians' religious views really matter? How do we handle that? Let's bring in some MPs to find out. Mona Forche is a Liberal MP who is re-elected here in Ottawa for Ontario. Garnet Genus is a Conservative MP. He is in Calgary right now. And Jack Harris is an NDP MP-elect for our Newfoundland and Labrador, back for the third round. Uh, congratulations on all your victories, first Thank of all, you. and great to see you all. Garnet uh, Genus, Thank let me start with much. you. Um, last week, your leader... Uh, 
dodged a question about whether he believed being gay was a sin. Instead, as we just saw, he said he would fight for the rights of all Canadians. Does he have to be more clear about his personal beliefs on issues like same-sex marriage as many Conservatives? Corey Tonight, former Director of Communications for uh, Stephen Harper on this show, said that view is fatal and he likened it to bigotry. What do you think? Well, Evan, uh, first of all, I think Andrew has been very clear on many of these issues. He's been clear about the fact that he's personally pro-life and that a Conservative government won't propose legislation around that issue. He's been very clear, and I think if you asked any member of Parliament, uh, from our caucus or from other parties, uh, there would be universal agreement on the issue of same-sex marriage, that that is not on the political agenda for anybody. Uh, what we're seeing is, uh, frankly, somebody who happens to be a practicing Catholic getting grilled and asked all sorts of very specific theological questions uh, in a way that just isn't happening uh, to other politicians. Well, we've seen something like it with Jigmeet Singh. He was asked questions in an interview with Terry Molesky that are likely questions that would not have been asked to a politician uh, who wasn't a Sikh. But, but what we're seeing with, with Andrew Scheer as well is someone having questions posed to him based on, I think, often a misunderstanding or presumptions about okay, Catholic. Okay, but just Evan, let me, let me get, hang on, just, just, just one thing. It's not the media. that The media is asking because Peter McKay said it hang around his neck like a stick in albatross. You've got conservatives like Sarah McIntyre, who worked for Stephen Harper and Corey tonight. It's conservatives who are saying he's got to recalibrate on that. Is he going to or should he? Well, Evan, I, I think Andrew has been very clear. And if, if people want to hear it again, um, I mean, there, there are, are obviously a few folks that, that have certain objectives or agendas. Uh, and we know that there are, are liberals that are criticizing Justin Trudeau's leadership, maybe because they also have their own ambitions. But Andrew's been very clear about equality. And what, what I think we need to be sensitive of is some of this, this anti-Catholic message in particular. It's something we've seen in North America before. And I brought a cartoon to show. This is from the 1960 presidential election. Uh, there were some really ugly things put out there about John F. Kennedy, uh, suggestions about okay. how his Catholic faith meant double loyalty. I, and I think we need to be really careful about okay. not going down To be fair, to, I'm unfortunate. I mean, Justin Trudeau's Catholic, yes. first of all. Um, your party has openly criticized Andrew Scheer for his stance on LGBTQ issues. You published that video that Andrew Scheer a long time ago compared homosexuality to the leg of a dog. But in 2011, Justin Trudeau, who's a Catholic, said about abortion, his personal belief on abortion, he was opposed to it, but he's uncomfortable and that uh, he's evolving on that. Should we ask Justin Trudeau his positions on that? Is it fair to ask Andrew Scheer? Well, they've asked, and Justin Trudeau, he's been very clear from the start that he wants to protect the rights of Canadians and have an open mind on making sure that we don't point at different uh, religions. What's different? Mr. Or Mr. Shear said the same thing, though. I'm, just to be fair, he said, I'm not going to relitigate any of this stuff. What's the difference? It wasn't very clear. He was not necessarily clear before the official question was asked after a debate. So from the get-go, during the election, the campaign, Prime Minister Trudeau was very clear on his stance. Even us as a party, we want to protect the rights of Canadians and have an open mind about how we govern this country and not put our personal religious beliefs in the filter you don't, you don't, making you don't decisions. Think he's gonna, okay, well, Jack Harris, what do you think? Well, he's got personal beliefs. He says, I'm not going to let them bleed into my political uh, life. Personal beliefs are fine, but if you, the question, is it a sin, really is, you know, it, do you think homosexuality is immoral? 
Do you think that homosexuals are bad? It's a bad thing. And you know, there's a legit, it's a political question, really, not a religious question, because there are, it's a legitimate concern that people have in this country, particularly the LB, LB, uh, LBGT committee, uh, community, uh, and women, that there's somebody is going to want to turn the clock back on these hard-won rights. And you know, discrimination in the case of women's rights, uh, there are there are active political organizations in this country who are active in uh, the nomination process for the Conservative Party. There are people who are, who are actually they're, they're social activists, but they're social conservatives, but they're also political activists. They're working on nominations. They want people in the parliament who are going to try to turn black the clock on these but issues. But Jack here, so, so do we have to ask Mr. Singh as a, as a religious Sikh, what's your position on gay marriage? What's your Absolutely. position on He happens to be a Sikh, but he'll give you his position well, on that. you're saying so He's, religious, personal religious beliefs are now fair game for all, no, all, I'm not all parliamentarians? No, it's not, it's not a question of fair game. It's a question of uh, do you think that this is people are immoral or bad because they're homosexual? Because if you think that and you have in your party people who are actively working to ensure that, uh, uh, that pro-life people, anti-abortionists are elected and have an agenda, uh, that's going on in your party and you, you have your owe your leadership to social right. conservatives within your party, uh, there's a real worry that the, a conservative government uh, led by him would uh, somehow or other get to the point of uh, turning back the clock. People are afraid okay. of it. And it affects politically, it affects the ceiling on your votes. Please respond because there, look at the opposition is going to yeah. point out to how Mr. Scheer voted on issues like for transgender rights. What about that? And they, he, he voted against that bill. So uh, is it fair then to say he's guided by his religious beliefs uh, and they may not be popular uh, in places like Quebec and Ontario? Look, I, I think some of this discussion is conflating all, all kinds of different things. I think it's perfectly fair to ask someone about what their voting record is, about what they would do as prime minister. And I think, uh, you know, on the issue of, uh, of C-16, there were a lot of uh, freedom of speech issues raised in relation to those uh, bills. And I think that's a, a legitimate discussion. Uh, and, uh, and it's absolutely fair to ask questions about that. Uh, in terms of the issue of pro-life people in our party, yes, the Conservative Party includes people that are personally pro-choice and personally pro-life. We work together, we seek to develop consensus, and we work to advance issues like making adoption more accessible. Adoption is something, uh, accessible adoption is something very important to pro-life Canadians. It's something particularly important to LGBTQ Canadians. Uh, so there are issues on which uh, pro-life and pro-choice people can work okay, together. Okay, but, but, but Garnet, can, can I just... Consensus. But, but, but let me... Go yeah. on, just real quick. Is, is your leader the way, going the, to change at all? So you lost the election. There's conservatives who are asking to change to recalibrate on LGBTQ issues. I know Mr. Shearer said what he said during the campaign, but it didn't gain traction in Ontario and Quebec. Let me just ask you, you're a member, there's a leadership review in April. Will he or should he recalibrate that view? So Andrew has been very clear about defending the rights of LGBTQ Canadians. We have championed, uh, for instance, a refugee access and foreign policy that I think is very reflective, actually, of his Catholic faith, his belief in the dignity of all people and of, of providing access for vulnerable refugees to come to Canada. Uh, that is... That is 
something he's been very clear about. Now, the question you ask about communications, we need to do a, a data-driven review of what happened in the last campaign. We won the popular vote, uh, we, we gained seats, but there's more work to do to get to government. If anything, it's making sure what our leader has already said and said many times is heard by everyone so that they okay. understand. Uh, unfortunately, we see this kind of muddying of the waters and, and, and frankly, anti-Catholic bigotry from the other parties, but we're going to push back against it. Uh, last word real quick. Well, we get to move forward now and uh, maybe start a new chapter and hopefully uh, the leader, Andrew Scheer, might want to participate in different events to show uh, the LGBTQ community he does support uh, their, 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 their ideas and want to protect their rights. Well, so far, frankly, he's not very convincing and people don't trust him. So that poses a ceiling to the support that he's going to get. That's his problem. All right, I got to leave it there. There's I, lots I doubt, more I doubt we'll this. earn your trust, Jack. Uh, doubt we're getting your vote. All right, I got to leave it there. Mona Forche, Garnet Genus, and uh, Jack Harris. Great to see all of you. Uh, that's an issue we'll pick up a little later in the scrum. But coming up, he met with the Prime Minister face to face to tackle prairie alienation. But what changes did he want? The Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister joins us to find out next. Stay right here with Question Period. <laughs> I've been reaching out to premiers, to mayors, to business leaders, to uh, colleagues and former colleagues on. There's uh, a, lot, a lot of work to do to make sure that we're uh, governing for the entire country. You could call it East meets West. That's one way of seeing the meeting between Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister, a premier who has openly blamed Mr. Trudeau for the deep divisions we now see across the country. But behind closed doors, the two met on Friday to try to work out how the new minority Liberal government might deal with the controversial issues in the prairies like pipelines, the carbon tax, even gun control issues. So what did the Manitoba Premier demand from the Prime Minister? Let's find out. Joining me now is Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister. Great to see you in town, sir. And you, sir. Um, why did you blame the Prime Minister for the divisions post-election in the country? Well, I think that's an accurate assertion, but I think political leaders can, uh, you know, run divisive political strategies. Prime Ministers need to unite, and there's probably never been a, a more apt time in recent years for that unification strategy to start. But people in Western Canada uh, want to see deeds, not not just words. They'll need to see action. On, and what, so, on what particular files? Oh, the pipeline, obviously, other files as well. We're trying to build flood protection in Manitoba, and we've been delayed by, because of federal uh, pole shifting over the last number of years. There are projects that need to get built, uh, things that need to get done. And I think uh, today I came as a, a friendly Manitoban, as a, the premier of the Keystone province, to say let's, let's make sure that we're building a country that's stronger than the, the sum of its individual different parts. Let me move to the carbon tax. Sure. You guys are taking the federal government to court over the imposition of a price on carbon, and yet you claim that you've got a plan that would meet the very same emissions reductions mm -hmm. as the government. I just asked Minister Carla Qualtro, would they be open to accepting your plan and then getting rid of the price on carbon? And it was kind of, we're open to anything. Mm -hmm. Did you ask the Prime Minister about that? Did you get the sense that they're open to it? I won't reveal contents of personal discussions uh, with anyone. I just simply uh, have raised the issue of the need for us to recognize that each province has different approaches and that uh, ours is well designed. It's been recognized by the environment minister herself as uh, the best in Canada. We have a green record 
Uh, we want to build on that. We're eliminating single-use plastic bags. We're building conservation but projects. But can you reach the and, emissions targets that the federal government and says we you have, need to? And we have scientifically evaluated our plan and believe it works better than the federal plan. Oh. So we're asking for the respect we deserve in Manitoba. Well, is green, he going to give it to you? Well, what do you say? He's trying well, to reach out. Just again, give us a sense. Is well, he open to it? How about that? I would, I would say the sense uh, that I get is that the Prime Minister wants to, wants to heal some of the rifts that have occurred. Uh, I would hope that he would take some personal responsibility for some of those rifts. Obviously, uh, as we but know, this was a, like talk, well, mean, it's a divisive federal to, election. I, I Let's not, be straight. It's a okay. divisive federal election. He ran in a, here yeah. in Ontario against the Premier of Ontario. Previously, he sent his ministers out to say that we were all climate change deniers in Western Canada. This is not true, and of course, this is an assertion that some make during campaigns that can be very divisive. And, but did he give you an olive I, branch that was not just and my, words? My, my endeavor with the Prime Minister is that we need to reach out and we need to be uh, accepting of the fact that Premiers are legitimate people here who represent the people in their jurisdiction. When the Prime Minister, the ground shifted, as you know, when the Prime Minister came in, eight Premiers yeah. All Liberal or NDP, now the other way around pretty much, right? Let's remember that you can't just work around Premiers okay, in this next four years or you're going to end up with a worse situation than you have now. Do you think Jason Kenney, the Premier of Alberta, has been... He's talked a lot about anger. He's talked a lot about a separatist movement. Um, is it recklessly playing footsies with a separatist movement in your mind? He's made demands for threatening to pull out of the pension plan, the Canada pension plan. He's made demands about redoing the equalization plan. Do you, do you support what he's doing? He is expressing the concerns that Albertans have. He's doing that honestly. And frankly, what would be reckless would be to ignore the reality of the situation in Alberta and Saskatchewan. It's a, it's a desperate circumstance that many people are facing. It's not something they're used to. And it's hard for families. The suicide rates among young men in Alberta are shocking. And people want to work in Western Canada. We want a country that works. We want to have the chance to build. We want to see results. And those things have been delayed, deferred, postponed for a long time. So now it's time to get to work making Canada work better for all of okay, the people okay, in all regions. Do you support redoing equalization formula? Do you support that? Oh, that, that debate will go right off the table the day the pipeline gets approved and starts working. Look, we could, the, the problem that we face in this country, I think, is the lack of understanding that social progress depends on economic progress. They're not either or. I mean, they're intertwined. You could build an, you could pay for a national dental program for every child in Canada with the tax revenues from the Trans Mountain but expansion. But that pipeline's been held up by the courts. You blame Trudeau for that? Well, it's the courts basing its uh, decisions and processes on federal government rules, is it not? Right. So well, you then let's take a look at making sure that we don't have unnecessary delay, perpetual delay, used by opponents, people who say just leave all our resources in the ground and buy it from a Saudi prince instead. You're saying, essentially, the equalization stuff is just a threat. You build the pipeline, that disappears. So there's actually no problem with the equalization formula. That's just political stunt making until that pipeline gets built. That's what you're saying. No, that's what you said. No, you said, said that disappears the day the pipeline gets built. So yeah, that means it's... That would so, be my prediction. Okay. Okay, so you don't, you don't think that equalization needs to be reworked right I now? I think the point is that equalization is a program that's benefited many parts of the country, including my province, right. for a long time. And that chief among the payers into that program has been Alberta for a long, long time. In the sense that, right. not directly, but indirectly, you know how equalization works. Actually, nine Canadians know how equalization right. works. The fact remains that Alberta has a serious concern that needs to be addressed, not just talked about but addressed. Last question to you. You're a Conservative Premier. I you am. served federally. 
Andrew Scheer is being asked about his personal religious beliefs about social conservative issues that Peter McKay said hung around Andrew Scheer like a stinking albatross. Mm. This is about same-sex marriage and other issues. Now he's being asked about it. Um, do you think this is an issue for Andrew Scheer and is it, how does he balance his personal beliefs with how this is playing out politically in your view? Well, it's a difficult challenge for every leader. I mean, you come in with a set of personal beliefs and the beauty of politics is that you have them tested and uh, that you advance in your thinking and your understanding. You develop a better understanding of who you are as a person. Andrew Scheer is a fine person and he's tried to be honest and forthright about who he is as a man. Uh, the balancing act in terms of the public sentiment is a challenge every leader faces. Uh, Justin, Trudeau, Justin Trudeau has said I'm a devoted Catholic and this is my view. Andrew Scheer has said he is uh, not going to advance legislation against same-sex marriage. Uh, these are challenges. The beauty of the situation that Andrew now faces and uh, the double-edged dichotomy of it is that uh, the grassroots members of the Conservative Party across Canada are going to determine who their leader is. They're going to ask themselves some of the questions you've just asked me. And uh, in the Conservative Party, that's how we run. So Andrew will be accountable uh, to the people in the party, and they will all have the opportunity to have their say. That some say is messy. That's democracy, isn't it? Got to leave it there. Premier, always good to have you here. Thanks. Pleasure, Evan. Nice to see you. Yeah, that's uh, Brian Pallister back here in Ottawa coming up. Andrew Scheer's leadership of the Conservative Party is safe for now, but will his social conservative views lead to a leadership challenge in the spring? The Scrum joins us next, and our special guest is the former NDP leader, Tom Mulcair. He knows a bit about inside details about how a leader can or cannot survive. All that and lots more coming up. Stay here with Question Period. clearly had uh, some positive signs this campaign, but it wasn't good enough, and we wanted to do better in many areas, including Quebec and Ontario. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer passed the first big test, a crucial caucus vote that could have put his future as leader in jeopardy. But this week's marathon opposition meeting, the first since their election defeat, raised more questions than answers But where that party goes from here. Well, Mr. Scheer won 26 new seats, and he won the popular vote. He lost support in Quebec, and in Ontario, are his personal views on issues like same-sex marriage politically toxic in the two most populous provinces? Does he have to recalibrate or not? Let's bring in the scrum to find out. Tonda McCharles joins us. She's a senior reporter with the Toronto Star. Joyce Napier is CTV's Ottawa bureau chief. Craig Oliver is the birthday boy. Happy birthday! He's turned family. We have to say happy birthday to one of the, the all-time greats. And our special guest for this round is the former NDP leader and current CTV political commentator, Tom Mulcair. Uh, great to see all of you, Hello, and a happy birthday to our dear friend, Craig. Mm -hmm. uh, let me start with you, Mr. Mulcair. Um, you've been through these leadership things before, and they ain't easy. Uh, Andrew Scheer emerged from his caucus meeting saying he won't change on social conservative issues or on climate issues. Is this guy in trouble, or can he survive? He's going to have trouble surviving, and I have to say, as I say that, that I have probably more empathy for him in his current situation than most people, having <laughs> been through something similar. But he is going to have trouble convincing his party that that base is enough for them to win the next election, and that's all they care about. He has circled the stain any number of times with his inability to come up with a clear answer. 
On abortion, in the first French debate, it would have been easy for him to say, Mr. Trudeau, I'm surprised by the tone of your question. You've said the exact same thing, that you have a lot of problem with abortion on a moral and personal and religious level, but that as the Prime Minister of Canada, you support it. If Mr. Scheer had been that clear, I don't think we'd be talking about this. Mr. Scheer, I think, at some point, has every right to his personal beliefs, but he's got to make it clear, and he hasn't convinced enough people yet, that his personal beliefs will not affect his public policy approach. That and would, that's the biggest that, problem. That would require Scheer to change in, with, in ways that he's showing no sign he intends to do. I think a large part of the Conservative Party and Andrew Scheer are two ships passing in the night. He's clinging to the life raft of his faith-based uh, supporters who will never leave him, uh, and I think that's about all he's got. Joyce. But there are social conservatives in, in this party, and you cannot ignore them, and he's just one of them, right? It is a little bit unfair to talk about his religion and not talk about the other leader's religion. Does he wear his on his sleeve? Yes. But so does Jagmeet Singh. And are we going to have a conversation about those beliefs, right? To be and fair, how far, both, uh, how and far, have both said they support same-sex marriage and, and choice. Absolutely, and all he has to say is that, is that I do, I am, as many of us are, nobody, you know, goes down in the street and, and advocates for abortion. We advocate for choice. But, That's what people advocate for. But he is even incapable of saying, as many of us, well, abortion is a sad, sad thing, but I have and always will support a woman's choice. He's incapable of saying those two things together, and that's the problem. I think the issue, though, that tripped him up this week uh, is the one that was raised actually by Corey Tonight last week, right, on his yes. show. And, and, and the issue, Mr. Mulcair uh, sort of honed in on that question, it, it's actually not so much a question that um, journalists are raising out of the blue. It's a question that conservatives are asking themselves. You know, is Mr. Scheer able to explain his position with a sense of honesty, yeah. sincerity, and authenticity? Yeah, and and just, that's just where just to he's tripping. Corey Tonight on this program last week, the former director yes. of communication to Stephen Harper, called not only that yeah. position fatal, but he likened it to bigotry and civil rights. So what, he's, what he was saying was that public opinion in Canada has right. changed so profoundly on gay rights that Mr. Scheer, in not even being able to explain his personal views on it, his religious views, he's entitled to religious views, Absolutely. not but even being able to explain them has created his own political it. It problem his with, prob with conservatives. His problems are well beyond that, of course. They are also climate. Sure. And they're the inability yes. sure. of his party to present Canadians with a 21st century conservative message that will resonate in yes. big cities with young people. So, so he has many None of that is happening. So he has many problems. He's a madman character yeah. from the 60s. His, his caucus. From the 21st and so his century. caucus has cut him some six months of slack, but I expect that he will still face these questions, yeah. all of those questions you've just raised, Craig, at the party leadership level, at yeah, the, the mandatory grassroots level. There's a mandatory and secret vote in the spring, but Tom, okay, look, you're in Quebec, you faced leadership mm -hmm. before. He's asked, and you raised it, he's asked, you know, can, do your personal views influence your political views? You know, the liberals are suggesting don't trust this guy because he cannot prevent his religious views from influencing his politics. At the same time, they're fighting the Quebec premier who's trying to say, look, we need a secularization law in order to protect people from their religious views influencing uh, their political action. So I guess the liberals think you don't need that law unless you're Andrew Scheer. How do they balance those two things? 
And it's Sunday morning, so let's talk more about religion. I, I think that you're exactly right. Uh, in Canada, we can't get away from it. I remember at one point I talked openly uh, with Bob Fife in, an, in a Christmas interview about a Catholic priest in my high school being one of the greatest influences in my life. And then I had to, a lot of explaining to do, but mm. it didn't affect my ability to have public positions that I also maintain that are very much in, in step on gay, gay rights, for example. You know, LGBTQ issues, I think, are even more important for the average Canadian than the whole question of abortion, yeah. which is largely settled. LGBTQ issues, everybody has a friend, a family member, somebody they're close to that has lived that type of discrimination. And that's why Corey Tonight was right to put it down as a question of human rights and bigotry. And if Mr. Scheer can't come up with an answer on that in today's society, then it will spell the end of his leadership because he is so firmly out of step with other Canadians on that question of rights. And I think that was why the intervention by you-know-who, uh, Mr. McKay, was so important. Uh, right down to the albatross hanging around we'll his neck. Called it a stinking albatross. Uh, yeah, it was important because it allowed party members sort of legitimized uh, their ability to openly uh, come out against him. And then uh, there's the, you know, the small issue of him being completely tone deaf, right? And not seeing, okay, you saw the result of the election. You saw what the consequences were. They, they had a caucus this past week and he came out and could still not explain it. So it, it's almost like what part of can you explain your position? Well, that was interesting. Just and then the last, I think you've raised something. Was it a mistake for Andrew Scheer to double down? He said, look, I'm not marching any parades. I'm not changing my mind. And on climate that Craig raised, he said it's just a communications problem. Was that so a mistake? So here's the mistake. The mistake is not doing what Michelle Rempel and Lisa Raitt, two female conservative MPs, one of whom, Ms. Raitt, who was defeated and Rempel who's reelected, came out and explained how many in their party do view this and how they think that they can appeal more broadly to Canadians. He has not yet recognized that he needs to appeal more broadly and to so Canadians. And so what he faces now is... Well, just to complete the thought on climate ahead, change, Tom. I think that he's also a conservative, of course. Jason Kenney, the Premier of Alberta, came out last week with a rather complete project for a carbon tax of $30 a ton. Now, you can pick you know, issues with some, some parts of it, but he is showing leadership. He's recognizing, despite having been on that infamous McLean's cover of the resistance with Andrew Scheer and others, he's saying, no, no, I get this, and he's showing leadership as the Premier of Alberta. So I think that Mr. Scheer's got to learn from him, and I don't think he will. He's right, still birthday, clinging to his birthday base. Birthday boy gets the last okay. word on right. this round. Go I ahead. think that what Scheer has done by hanging in there is invited himself to six months of internecine warfare before they hang him. Wow. All right. Happy birthday. Thank you, Tom Mulcair. Happy thoughts. Uh, great to see you here, as always. The rest Good of the scrum will stick too. around. Uh, coming up, though, in a minority parliament, the small parties do hold the balance of power. What will they demand from Justin Trudeau? How does he govern? The new interim leader of the Green Party for her first interview on this program joins us next. Stay right here with Question Period. to choose my own time of going. I want to choose a time when we've done better than we've ever done before. So Elizabeth May is calling it quits after 13 years as the Green Party leader. She was the first Green candidate to be elected federally. She tripled the size of the caucus. 
to three, not what she wanted. Now the interim leader joins the opposition parties who hold the balance of power in a minority parliament. What will they want Mr. Trudeau to do first? And how will he govern? Let's bring back the scrum to find out. Tonda McCharles is back. So is Joyce Napier. Craig Oliver is back. And our special guest for this round is the new interim leader of the Green Party of Canada, Joanne Roberts. Great to see you here. Well, it, it's great to be here. I feel a little like I'm on the hot seat. You are on the hot seat. You're the new interim. You, you get got to get used to it. What will the Greens, I mean, you're not in Parliament. I know mean, Elizabeth May will keep yep. her seat. What will the Greens first demand of Mr. Trudeau be in this minority parliament? Well, the first demand is for us to raise our targets going into Madrid. That doesn't have to happen in the House. So Elizabeth's really been pushing on that. The caucus is pushing on it. We're hoping Canadians who voted for climate will do that. In the House, the first request will be National Pharmacare. National Pharmacare. Tanya, what do you, I mean, the Greens are there. They've only got three, but they're part of this balance of sure. power. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the pressure from the opposition parties on Mr. Trudeau will be? I think that we'll hear pressure for pharmacare and other of their priorities during the campaign. I think Mr. Trudeau those made very clear that his priority is going to be the middle class tax cut. He'll, that'll have the benefit of getting the Conservatives to vote with the government, if that's the case, I would imagine, because they also promised one. Um, and I think the other priority for the government when, when they come back is going to be also getting NAFTA legislation moving forward, right? Get it back into yeah. the House. I think they're, though, very tied to the calendar in the U.S. Joyce? You know, I, I sense that pharmacare is a solution in search of a problem here. And it seems that that's what unites uh, the Greens, the NDP, and the Liberals. Easy one, easy target. Yeah. Let's do pharmacare because everybody agrees. Let's make nice. But pharmacare, a national pharmacare program, I'm, I know Craig doesn't agree with me, yeah. is, is, is perhaps not necessary because it will take years to give the people who do not have any coverage coverage. And really what we should be doing is give these people coverage now. They should all agree on that. Instead of going big, na uh, you know, national national program, why don't we target those people who actually need it? Three out the, of four uh, Canadians the, already have it. Those are the same right. kind of criticisms which were made when yes. uh, the Liberals back so many years ago brought in Medicare. Exactly, uh, exactly the same arguments were made. The fact is a lot of people in the country are struggling uh, a lot of them can't yes, pay so for drugs. Drugs are drugs going up in now. price. <laughs> You're wrong to say it's going to take forever to get it. And this will they have been the ones that said this will, will have been forever. a historic parliament if what Canadians get out of it is pharmacare. Yeah. And we got Medicare out of a minority parliament. Yes, and exactly the argument that was made was not everyone needs it. Why are you bringing it in for everyone? I think you were right on saying this is an easy one. This is where you can say we are working well together, playing nice in the sandbox. We're going to do it. I think it doesn't, Hoskins himself has said it's not going to take forever no, to do it. No, he's the one that said in his, in his own... Dr. Uh, Eric Hoskins, who yes. was appointed by the Liberals mm -hmm. to do the study that on the choice. That it would take several years, seven years. So why are we making these people wait? Craig, mm -hmm. you know, earlier we talked to Carla Qualtro, the minister, uh, and we said, okay, how is this, your prime minister, going to, to govern? Is he going to make concessions on the environmental regulations, yeah. Bill C-69? No. Is he going to change the carbon right. plan? No. What is he going to change after he was humbled in this election? I think he's going to find it very difficult to meet the, some of the most essential demands uh, of the Western premiers. I really do. Because people forget, Trudeau is handicuffed to some degree and might be happy to be. He's got three opposition parties who would be glad or tempted to bring him down if he does what the premiers want and kills carbon tax. He can't. Three quarters of the country voted for parties 
who want a carbon tax. The, Trudeau cannot drop this, no matter how many times the Saskatchewan Premier huh. writes him letters and says, this is a key demand, kill the carbon tax. Yeah, he's not going to kill the carbon yeah. tax, I don't think. Uh, but I think what's going to look weird to Canadians is to go back to what Tondo was saying, that, you know, what, what happens when you start getting the Liberals and the Conservatives voting together? A lot of Canadians are going to go, hey, just a minute, this isn't what I voted for. I think he will keep the carbon tax because, I mean, we're seeing concessions now from Premier Higgs saying, Okay, mm -hmm. I hear what the people of New Brunswick, in New Brunswick, in New Brunswick. Right? Yes. so he has said, we elected a Green, we elected all Liberals, we didn't right. elect any Conservatives. He's reading those tea leaves and saying, I'm going to talk and, about and it. Brian Pallister also is yes. more conciliatory now. Yeah. He came, he visited the, 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 the Prime Minister on Friday, um, you know, at his own request. Correct. So, you know, there is sort of a dialogue that is starting, but perhaps the Liberals will have to put a little bit of water in their wine, because <laughs> these Premiers are coming here or talking to him saying, look, we are, we do have plans. Can we, you know, sort of, can we amalgamate our plans with your carbon tax? Is there a place where we can compromise? Well, and they, I think that's what they're asking the Prime Minister to do. There's a lot of, of course. everyone's saying, <laughs> yes. oh, we're listening, we're doing it. But I can't separate that warm bath of verbiage from the actual, <laughs> you know, concrete action. What well, do you think he's going to do? Well, haven't seen it yet, though, yeah. right? Like, so the election was a few weeks ago. They've taken four weeks to put their cabinet together. Um, it all feels like a warm bath because it's all speculative right now. Right. We still don't know how he's going to deal in concrete terms with trying to represent the West's right. interests yeah. short of reaching out to people. So all I would say is that, you know, I, actually what I think you're going to see is them take the time. They need more time, I would argue, to figure it all out and to put things in place. I don't see the House coming back in December. I see the House coming back in January. Really? Right. Wow. And, and I see that... Should they come back early? Your boy, uh, no, no, the no they don't well. need to. They don't the need to. I don't know. I'll call me crazy. <laughs> Democracy. I don't know. What do you think? I the think prime minister should. should take his time and not go helter skelter yes. into new issues as he did in 2015. He needs to be, have patience and go carefully and take his time. He's got a lot of time. And to be honest, they're all in need of a rest, if you ask me. They're, Mr. <laughs> right. Shear came out this week, you know, still saying the same old thing that got him into trouble in the campaign. All of them need a break and to go back and reconnect. And really, really I think, okay. to hear, to, to, so to get off the divisive out. track. Yeah, well, a lot of people say there's pressing issues. He's got to bring it back that, well, people need rest. Democracy does it. What, well, do, you, what do you think? I, I think let's talk about democracy. We don't elect a prime minister in this country, the House does. Right. I think it is necessary if he reflects that uh, tradition, is that he could come back on the 21st, say, at the day after he, he appoints his cabinet, sit for two weeks, go off to Madrid, not come back till the new year. I think that's the okay. compromise. He has to go to NATO, too. So he has, he has to go to, to NATO, NATO too. Yeah. Yeah. Before, Before I go, you can't run, you're the interim leader, you can't run as Green Party leader no. to replace Elizabeth May, but if there's an election within the next two years, which there likely will be, will you run as an MP? There's a good chance of that. Speaking of democracy, okay. <laughs> we'll hold you to yes, that. Yes. All right, all right, well, you gotta, yeah, all right, I gotta you leave it there. You may be the first person to get me to say that. Okay, well, yeah, there's the news, Joanne Roberts. Thank you for being here. It's and of course, Tonda, Joyce, and Craig, thank you. And thanks so much to all of you for watching. Tomorrow is Remembrance Day. And as we should do every day, we should thank the men and women who have served our country so valiantly in the past and today, keeping our democracy safe and vibrant and allowing people like us to have these debates very
very safely, which we never take for granted. Now, CTV News will have full Remembrance Day coverage, hosted by CTV's chief news anchor and senior editor, Lisa LaFlam. That starts Monday morning at 10.30 Eastern Time. You can watch it on CTV, CTV News Channel, and online at ctvnews.ca. And I know I share thanks to all our veterans for all the people on this program today. Thank you for watching. We will be back here in seven short days.